0: Reality is spiritual. His truth is his truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. He gave me one verse. Um, you think I'd have that one memorized. But And actually, it's even just part of a verse. And it's, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And I'm not even sure that I was deeply aware that that... That was nestled right in the center of the Christmas prophecy on Isaiah, the same chapter that identifies him and and his nature, his characteristics up here on our banner. Um, But then I began exploring so, what is this? So, in other words, government, Jesus's government, is a primary theme in the Christmas prophecy. Isn't that odd? Well, you find out it's actually not odd. It just strikes you as odd when you weren't aware of it before. Um, One of the main uh, things that God is doing in Christmas, in the word of God becoming flesh, dwelling among us, is the establishment of a government. And last week we looked deeply at some of the language behind those words. And I'm just going to put this out there again. That word government, it is appropriate that it's translated government. Okay, it's not like that's a... But sometimes you see bad translations in spots. This isn't one of them. That's appropriate. But when you look very deeply, and they would have understood this, we have to point it out. But at the root of that word is principality. And we talked about where else do you see the word principality appear in scriptures? In the the Ephesians warfare verse. Right, we do not war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of this dark age, right? So, in other words, this prophecy so in in other words, there is a a principality, a government of the kingdom of darkness that is well established here, right? The kingdom of darkness <laughs> is well established um and has a voice we talked about it has a screaming voice of its own, it does have powers it it does have powerful influence, um, disgusting tentacles that want to poison us and what God wants to do. Is that right? So this Christmas prophecy, and we're going to dig into it again this week looking specifically at love, but just to get us grounded again where we're talking about, this prophecy is that the coming of Jesus, being born, Jesus laying it down, laying down the divine attributes and coming to be born, at least in large part, is to establish a principality that, is, that overcomes the dark principality. It is to establish another kingdom, another culture, another whole set of values. Remember, we identified that these are, val- these are the values of that kingdom. Now, the world offers counterfeits, Right? There is counterfeit love. In fact, that's probably the one that there's um, 18 versions of counterfeit love, right? Um, All kinds of things you can come up with. Hope, peace, joy. There are counterfeits. Um, You can, something of this world, even something dark, can create a certain joy that lasts a second. (laughs) Right? And these values are not, that is not the joy of the kingdom of God, the love of the kingdom of God, the peace, the hope. (laughs) Why? These values, see where's our hope? We talked about that last week. Is in the Lord. The Lord is our hope. Our hope is in the Lord. That's not something that's shakable. That's not something that lasts a second. And his love is not something that's shakable or just lasts a minute. So these are the values of the kingdom. This morning we're going to focus on love, of course. Um, but I have to put this out there one more t- Well, I'll probably do this every week because I can't help myself. What is faith? Is that one of these? No, what is it? It's the currency of the kingdom. And just very quickly, again, one of the things we talked about, you know that you cannot make your own currency, not in any kingdom that gets you put in jail. And it's true in this kingdom. You can't make the currency. You can't fluff it up you can't give yourself more. You can't make more and increase your bank account all by yourself. What's the word of God say? Faith is the gift of God. He's the one, he gives you the currency. Faith is what you have to spend on these values. Does that make sense? I think it's really important to understand that. How, I mean, if he came to establish a government, a principality, principality is a government that's ruled by a prince, The prince of prince, principality. And if he came to establish a principality to overcome the dark one, of which the darkness cannot overcome, then we should understand something about how that works, right? I'm just going to put one last thing, and then we're going to start at love. Why do we do that here? Because we're loved, we're going to start at, at being in that atmosphere of love. And I think I say this every week anymore. Maybe you're, maybe you're being quiet because you're tired of hearing me say it. But we will interpret wrong. We will get this wrong if we don't start from the place of knowing that we're deeply loved. Period. You automatically will get it wrong. But I'm going to put this one out there. One more thing we talked about that is so critical to understand before we push in here is that the values of a kingdom... Any government, especially God's, but any government, you cannot be forced to take on or agree with the values of the kingdom, can you? You can be punished if you do things that don't agree with them. And thank God in Jesus' kingdom, what, there's no punishment, right? Laws can enforce a type of surface um, compliance, Right But you cannot make someone agree with whoever the ruler of a kingdom or a principality. These are chosen by will. And so this is the place in our faith where our will joins in. We choose the hope of God, like we talked about last week, because with an act of our will, we spend our faith and we say, we say, "I have the hope of the kingdom. My faith is in Jesus, right? And we're going to see that as we go through today. In fact, that's going to be important every week to remember that faith is the gift of God. He gives you that to spend. It is actually the will that agrees with the kingdom and the spirit of that kingdom, right? Okay. Turn with me to um, John, first chapter of John, verse 10. Okay. Okay. Now last week. Now I'm going to put this out there again as you're turning. Um, last week we pointed out very clearly that Isaiah chapter nine, in other words, the Christmas prophecy, okay, is a parallel of the first chapter of John. Okay, I I dare you to go look at that. Spend some time looking at that parallel this week, and I promise you'll be blessed. Okay, but here we're just going to pull out this um, couple of verses here, and um, this is partly review too, but. Here in verse 10, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, speaking of Jesus, of course, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him, speaking of Israel, right? And he just let's just get this out of the way, just in case. You know that our salvation is that we're grafted into Israel. He is going to fulfill all things through Israel. So that prayer that we pray when we sing Emmanuel, and we're, we're praying that Emmanuel comes, that is talking about his next return, and thank God we're in on it. And that's exactly how it works. The word of God, we could study this this morning, we're not, but you're in on that because you're adopted in, you're grafted in to Israel. Okay, it's very important we understand that. Now, Emmanuel, it's also important you understand that we are the first fruits of the kingdom. Do you got it? So the Holy Spirit in us is Emmanuel. God with us, his presence is very real this morning, and we don't take credit for that because of the Holy Spirit. So Emmanuel is now, but we are also waiting. What do we say? The kingdom now, the kingdom not yet right so don't write off Israel I I see people do that and um, that's you have a part in Israel not vice versa (laughs) okay all right, we got that and it says but as many as receive him now here it is to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name to who to us to as many as receive him right and we get the right the right to what to become children of God. Now we focused on that last week and we even said fancy things like you have to invoke your rights, right? Rights are something that you have but you don't really live out of the benefit of it or the blessing of it unless the right is invoked. It's kind of like you have the right to remain silent but you might choose to blab like an idiot and let everything out. (laughs) You invoke your, you utilize rights. And here it says the whole point is that you have the right to become the children of God. Now, now I'm not going to pause here too long except to point out something that we didn't focus on last week, the word become. You have the right to become. And that's how we're going to talk about love this morning. We're going to go into the prophecy of Isaiah. But I want to tell you, just like... um, So the word of God is very clear that you are children of God, right? It's finished. Do you know you stand perfect before the throne? Why? Because you you earned it? Because you did good enough? You stand perfect before the throne because Jesus makes you the righteousness of God. He makes you perfect by the cleansing of his blood. That's why we're going to go to this table. Okay? But we also know that the word of God says we're becoming. Is that right? So you're in a process. So you have the right to become, okay? And let me just say, to be becoming the children of God, invoking everything that's yours. Does that make sense? Who wants everything that's yours? Yeah, you know that's not wrong. You're supposed to want everything that's yours. Can you imagine a father like me? I've got a, I've got a whole basket of gifts for my son and I'm like come on over here I've got all these things for you and um, and he says oh I just want the one and he goes off and and well don't you like these other things yeah I love them but you know for whatever crazy reasons we come up with I'm not worthy or you know the stuff that we do I'll just take the one I'm good that would break a father's heart right it's the father's heart to want you to have everything that's yours every kingdom value every kingdom fruit okay so you have the right to be the sons of God okay go with me um, one more thing before we jump into Isaiah actually go to Ephesians chapter 3 and uh, verse 14 <laughs> and you could spend all morning all month on this verse uh, um, we won't <laughs> uh, but what i want to say to set this up is this is paul's prayer okay and this is um not just one of his prayers but this is the, the his prayer to the church of ephesus okay there's a couple of recorded prayers so the thing to understand this is a church that really kind of has it like this is a letter written to a church that they're they are jamming <laughs> and and it's written to make them even more aware of the riches of their wealth, I guess, to, to the whole basket that we were just talking about, is what this, what this entire letter really boils down to. Um, and here, he begins to talk about how, what is the manner of God that makes this possible to us. You see it in his prayer. So here it is in verse 14. He says, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's praying. He's bowing his knees. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now listen to this. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Now keep your finger there. We're going to keep reading, but I'm just going to stop briefly as I go through. You know when it says according, that's like a measurement word. Okay, so you might say, okay, so he's praying that we, that we have all of this, but, um, but like how much? Do we get a little bit? Do we get a lot? Say that again. All of it. And all of like, like how much is it? How much is all of it? And I, this is a measurement word. According to, when it says according to, it's saying this much. How much? According to the riches of his glory. That's how much, okay? According to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. How does Christ dwell in your hearts? Through faith, okay? How many of you need a little strength in the inner man? You're going through something now? You're facing things in your family, your business here in the church? I I, I could use some more strength, actually. You're going through some things. And here it's giving you what, what Paul's prayer, which you know is appropriate, you know is according to the will of the Father. It's giving you the how. But here's why we're reading this. And next it says, so how does all that happen, in other words? And it says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, that's the how. How do you get according to the riches of his glory? That basket (laughs) of the kingdom within you is being rooted and grounded in love. So this is going to be kind of silly. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to look at those two words just really quickly. What's rooted? Rooted means I'm, I'm right here. Okay? Rooted brings the water the refreshment rooted brings the nutrients and it rooted says I'm, I am fixed right here ok and what are we fixed right here in his love it's going to get a little Sunday school but I'm going to show you how Sunday school had it right right from the very beginning ok the first thing you learned is the last thing you need to know is what we're going to see Jesus loves you this I know <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> this I need to know more and more and more. Lord, give us a revelation. And then grounded. This is a word that, that attaches closely to like foundation, okay? Grounded. So like everything's built on this. Not only am I right here, this is the only place I'm rooted for nourishment, refreshment, and, and fixing me where I am. But everything I build on top of it is, is this, is what? I build everything on top of what? His love. His love. And then verse 18, just in case it feels like we're exaggerating, verse 18 says, May may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height of his love. (laughs) That makes you happy. should make us all happy. Um, Notice with me, I I was going to teach on this, but it turns out I don't think I am, unless we come back. There are four dimensions to God's love. And it's infinite in the four dimensions. Isn't that crazy? Should we come back to that sometime? I think we should too, but um, not not today. There's my cliffhanger. (laughs) Come back. Someday we'll do that. (laughs) To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, you see? To know the love of Christ is passing something that is a mere knowledge. It's an it's an experience, right? He's a person that's, okay, I'll leave that alone. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, listen to me. We're about to move into the prophecy, I promise. But um, to be filled with all the fullness. There's more here than meets the eye. Now, you understand that the word of God says that he withholds no spiritual blessing. Do you know that God is... He, first of all, he's crazy about you. I know we never say that here. But he's absolutely nuts about you. And he, with, he does not withhold himself like people in your life do in love relationships. You know, we have all kinds. We have fear. We have woundedness. We have bondages. And we have all kinds of things that, where I, I offer you so much of myself. <laughs> right it's it's a little too scary f- to give you all of myself, and so you get this little bit, not with God, the Word of God says i he does not withhold himself from you, period you get all of it's not there's no such thing as getting a part of God. do you understand that and yet there's a funny thing here here it also says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, that in and of itself um just by logic tells you that there are there are measures of his fullness that he's still bringing us into and Paul is praying this is how he concludes his prayer he's praying that we would be filled with all the fullness Uh, in other words he believes that that's God's intention it is what he wants he wants you to be filled with all the fullness do you want that? Have you experienced some measure of his fullness? And, and uh, you know that God, no, oh, here we go. Do you know that God is the only fulfillment in life that the more you get, the hungrier you get? Yeah. Now, if that verse worried you, I love that verse 20 is next. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory. He's able to do not even just more than you can ask, he's able to do... In terms of what we're talking about, becoming full with the fullness of love, in terms of that, in this discussion, he's saying you have a God who's able to do even more than you can come up with on your own. You can't even think of what he plans to do to fill you with the fullness, with a complete revelation of his love, all four dimensions, until you squirt with it. Doesn't say that, does it? Okay. Good stuff. Now I definitely have to move. Um, go to Isaiah nine. Now we're now we're doing the Christmas stuff. It's my job to do the Christmas stuff at Christmas time, so I'm doing a good job. <laughs> I'm always challenged. This year I'm really blessed. He, I've, I'm all excited. I feel like he gave me good stuff. Okay, we're going to start right at the beginning of chapter nine. Um, we read it last week, and I think I did like a blah 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 thing. Well, this time we're gonna dig, I'm not going to go, blah, blah blah. We're gonna look at it. Um, verse one says, nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her, who is distressed, speaking of Israel, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. It sounds like a lot about blah, 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 doesn't it? I'm going to tell you what it means. It's, um, it's like directions. It is. It is like directions, and it's, it's identifying a place where God is active in doing something. You tracking, and and I'm going to show you another. It's going to identify another place a couple verses down in just a minute. But now track with me here. Um, really, what you got to grab here? You could study this out, and it's fascinating. Um, It talks about oppression, and this is a particular region where um, the battles had, um, in the early part of Israel occupying the land, um, the battles were devastating, and they never seemed to get out of the devastation of it. They never really seemed to recover. There was a great darkness that settled on the land because of the defeats that kept blowing against the region. Can anybody relate? Remember, we always say the Old Testament is a a perfect physical picture of your spiritual reality. The story is yours, and you have a region like this. I'm just telling you, I mean, whether you're aware of it or not, you have regions like this, okay? And what this is saying, and bear in mind, we're talking the Christmas prophecy. So at the beginning of the Christmas prophecy is the mention of this region, Okay, in other words, um, this is the region of Galilee. Now think about it. Here's the story, okay? Jesus is born in a manger. Do you realize the world waited 30 years then? Joy, the angels come, they tell the shepherds, this is big news, big stuff on earth. And then then there's a 30-year lapse. Before he's baptized, goes into the wilderness. You know, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, anointed for ministry. He goes to the wilderness, and then he immediately goes into the synagogue and starts proclaiming another place in Isaiah, speaking out what the anointing of his ministry is to the people, right? There's a 30-year lapse there. It's the region of Galilee where he first steps out in ministry. The first fruits. In other words, what was the ministry of Jesus? Do you know what it actually was? It was to bring the love of a father near. He was always saying, What did he say? Go out and preach what? The kingdom. The kingdom of God is upon you. In other words, the love of God has come near. The love of God is on you now. That was the earthly ministry of Jesus. What is your ministry? (laughs) <laughs> the same. You are also the first fruits. You're called to bring, he tells us to pray, that the will of heaven would be done here as it is in heaven. That's your part. It's also your ministry. It's your anointing to be the first fruits, calling forth something that's going to be in fullness in the future. You call it forth and make it manifest now. Well, that's what Jesus did. Okay, And it was in this region of Galilee where the first Trickling, The first flow of the kingdom is upon you began. Are you tracking? Now this is leading us somewhere. This is just introduction. <laughs> this is leading us somewhere. But what I want you to know is knowing what I just told you, go to verse 2. And here's where really John, Gospel of John begins to parallel. And it says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Okay, so this is like, his ministry here is like a a ray of light breaking out. Okay, now, I want to prep you for what we're really going to talk about this morning. It comes next in the next verse. Um, Everything has a beginning. Everything begins to break out. And... In God's, account, in God's plans, everything has a fullness. Are you tracking? Everything has an end, and that's your destiny, to be joined into according to the riches of the glory of God. You're part of the fullness. Do you got it? Okay, so then um, continue reading with me. Verse 3, and here comes the fullness. Now, you're going to notice another physical location, which is the location you have to okay? Verse 3. multiplied the nation and increased its joy now you're probably going to be frustrated with me because I'm going to skip a whole bunch of joy verses because next week's candle is joy (laughs) but we have to read it so then it goes on and says they rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest in fact we're going to talk about that a little in a minute according to what the joy of the harvest and then the third one the rod of his oppressor do you know what a rod is that's punishment. Perfect love. There there is no punishment in perfect love. The punishment of not performing is broken. Couple of quiet amens. I thought that was really good news. I don't I hate punishment. <laughs> I've had my share. <laughs> Okay, now here's why we're reading this. And actually, I've just got to go back and read it again so you grab this, and then we're just going to talk about it for a while. Verse 4. Back to the beginning of verse 4. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> hmm. All the insight is right there. As in the day of Midian. What does that mean? In other words, you know when the word of God, the way that we don't really use language, not that often anymore this way. They use language, when they say as in, they're saying, here's the manner Here's the how. How are all these things true? from from verse one of chapter nine, all the way through verse three, restoring the according to the joy of the harvest, there's going to be joy and the breaking off of all these bondages and then it says as in the day of Midian. In other words, here's how. all that stuff is going to happen exactly like it did as in the day of Midian. You checking? How many of you know? Now listen, Midian is a very interesting geographical place. Midian is, uh, we'll just put it out there, is the place for one thing where Moses went and spent exile after killing the Egyptian and where the calling of the Lord came to him to go back and be the, be the authorized mouth spokesman for the freeing of Israel from bondages exactly like these that we just read, which are also the cup's, of the Lord's Table. Well, I'm definitely not going to go there or we'll be here too long. Um, it's also the, do you know that it's also the place? Well, see, we could invite any one of the women up here to finish teaching now. Erica, you want to finish now? <laughs> you can. I'm good with it. Okay. <laughs> she's. like you're good. Okay. <laughs> Midian is the story of Gideon. And Midian was the place where, um, and I don't know how much your study digs, I'm sure it digs into all the historical perspective and everything, but you see, now now listen, Midian was the place where they were, for seven years, they were under extreme oppression. like many of us are, like the seasons we go through, okay? Their oppression was such that they would, um, they would plow and plant and work and rebuild the cities and reap the harvest. And at the time of harvest, annually, every year, the enemy would come in and plunder. Okay? Is anybody relating? The, the Old Testament is a picture of your spiritual reality. Can anybody relate? Have you ever been in a season of your life, or you're in one right now, where you're going through cycles of plunder? <laughs> you rebuild, you, you pull in harvest, you start to pull it back together, and then, and then plunder comes, like, like clockwork. They'd been doing this for seven years. Now, but that's not even what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is that this is showing, so, so the word of God says this is going to happen as in the day of Midian. So in other words, like the victory came there, the prophecy of Jesus is that in that manner it would come through the fulfillment of Jesus' ministry. Now, if that made your brain smoke, let me tell you what we're talking about. We're talking about love. Now, here it is. Jesus' victory plan is a plan of love. And now, here's why. If you know anything about the story of Gideon, okay, Gideon, and I was going to read it, but I'm just going to tell you. Gideon is, you know, the main part of the story. He's, he's threshing wheat in the wine press. Why? Because of exactly what we just talked about. He's, he's hiding. He's tired of being plundered. He's fearful. Um, he doesn't have any of his true identity. He's not a hiding coward, but he thinks he is. He's, he knows that his God is powerful, but he is not, um, he is not invoking his rights. He's hiding in the winepress, right? So what happens? So God shows up. Actually, I can't help it. We're going to read it. <laughs> and if you want to turn, it's Judges chapter 6. I'm just going to read this quickly. Judges chapter 6, I'll start in verse 11, and it says, Now the angel of the Lord came, now just so you know that's capital angel, so in other words, we could read this, now Jesus came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord, so Jesus appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, remember, this is so good, it's ridiculous. Remember, we're talking in the prophecy of Isaiah. It says, this is all going to be accomplished, this victory, as in the day of Midian. In other words, by this manner, by a game plan of love. Now, I'm going to tell you about God's game plan. God does not have a victory game plan that doesn't include you. Now, hear me. The kingdom advance doesn't start until you come on to the front line of the battle. The party doesn't begin until you show up. Why? That's God's way. Do you know that he is going to be successful? Okay, let's just let's just get that out of the way. We know that he's not going to fail. His plans are going to be successful cool. I'm really glad about that. You too? But you know that the, um, the story of love is that he is far more concerned about, making, about your becoming, about making you a victor, than he is about the final outcome of success. In fact, he doesn't have, he has no game plan outside of the love that he is calling you into becoming. All of this in the prophecy of Jesus says, as in the day of Midian, is how the ministry of Jesus is going to be accomplished. How was it done in the day of Midian? It was done by the calling forth, by the revealing of the sons of God. That's how it was done. You can go through the entire Old Testament story, and you will find places where, you know, God gives victory here and here and here. And I'm going to tell you, this pattern is always true. Okay? Are you tracking with me? It's always true that it's by the calling forth of the chosen, of the people of God, by the revealing of the people of God is how they get their victory. But never more clear, at least in my opinion, never more clear is in the story of Gideon. And in the prophecy of Jesus, you know, just next it's about to tell us, um, what's it about to tell us? Tells us, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. That's what comes just next. Okay, but before that, it wants you to know that the plan for victory is the plan for, for love. It's it's by love. He's not go- could he do it without you? <laughs> yeah, but I promise you something, he's not, because he's far more concerned. Of, of you becoming the victor. You are not going to stand in the victory as a welfare recipient. You're not. He doesn't have a plan like that. Why? Because he loves you far too much for that to be the plan. He's like, will the real you please step up? And all your life he's creating circumstances like Midian. You see, Midian is the place Where the call of God breaks out by calling forth the Son of God, the daughter of God. Midian is that place. You see, the thing about we have counterfeit loves, we talked about that. And I'm going to tell you something um, real love is love that is fiercely committed to your becoming. That's real love. We have all kinds of sappy and disgusting and dark versions of love. But real love says we're going to go the long, hard way. <laughs> Why? Because I love you that much. Because I'm making you, I'm having you become. What was the one thing when wow, I had so many plans? Um, what was the, what's the one thing Jesus always says? What are the requirements to go with him? Does he have any? Not really. He doesn't have requirements, but he just says one thing, right? All the time he says, follow me. In fact, it was in one of the, you all know this, but he says, follow me. That's all he ever tells people, follow me. So Jesus' love is the the real kind. You're going to be, obviously, and you know this, you're going to be hit with all kinds of uh, love, <laughs> all kinds of versions all kinds of counterfeits and some of his that's real from people in your life over the Christmas season. I just encourage this last thing before we pray and dismiss. I encourage you that as you, as you face these things, you, you know when you're following him, right? You know when you're following him through something. And as you face these things that life brings your way, I challenge you in the authority of the name of Jesus, really, I challenge you to be more fascinated with who he is and and his fierce determination to bring you to become something. Be more fascinated with that than, than the darkness of this thing that you face. Because he does not, he is crazy, crazy. In love with you and he is fiercely determined to make you into something in what you're going through he's that good that's real love that's his father I pray that, um, that between now and Christmas and for the rest of their lives that you would be deepening the awareness of your unfailing love in that way and we thank you we worship you for inviting us, for asking us to be your stunning bride. We thank you for your pleasure over us. In the name of Jesus, amen.